What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Lockdown Panthers podcast. Bill Rossetti hitting you guys back up here. Uh, been away from you a couple days. Uh, hope you guys have had a good week and are slowly counting down to the start of training camp as we are very close now. At the time this goes up, uh, it's Friday, July 20th. That means we are less than eight or less than one week away. We're actually about five days away from the start of Panthers training camp. In fact, teams are already starting to report. Uh, The Baltimore Ravens, their full squad has actually already reported. The rookies have already been there over a week, uh, reporting July 11th. And the veterans reported July 18th. So they actually had their first practice yesterday. Uh, A couple other teams, rookies, are already reporting. Uh, I believe Chicago, if the Chicago Bears, their rookies reported on the 16th. Veterans reported yesterday, so they'll have their first practice today. Of course, those two teams are playing in the Hall of Fame game on August 2nd. But, of course, as far as the Panthers go, five days away, everybody reports July 25th. So everybody reports on Wednesday, first practice, then will be Thursday. So very, very exciting time. By this time next week, I believe every team will be, will have reported to camp. And by, say, next Saturday, every team will be practicing. So Uh, Exciting times. Uh, I know you guys are all excited. I'm excited for football to be back, so we're almost there. Uh, What we're going to do on this episode today, actually, is we're going to look a little bit... uh, We're we're very fortunate enough now here at the Lockdown Podcast Network to have gotten a, basically, connection, a partnership now with Pro Football Focus... So we're going to be able to dive in quite a bit here as far as all the grading and basically everything PFF has to work with. Uh, so it's going to be really exciting. Um, excited to bring a lot of these stats to you guys. So I want to thank Pro Football Focus for offering all these subscriptions to us. Uh, of course, you can get your own subscription, the Edge subscription or the Elite subscription. A lot of great content out there. Uh, you just go to Pro Football Focus, sign up, register, and everything is right there available to you. So I thought we'd start uh, with this, kind of with this connection. We're going to look at the uh, the quarterback annual. In particular, we're going to look at how they chalked up Cam Newton. So... That's going to be coming up, but first, we want to thank another one of our great sponsors this week, and that's Core Essentials, K-O-R-E Essentials. They make the best belt you'll ever own. What makes what makes the Core Track Belt so awesome? Well, there's no bolt, belt holes. That's right. Instead, instead, their belts use a hidden track in the back of the belt with over 40 size points to choose from. 
Ever wonder why your pants slip and turn that waistline into a gut? Every day as you work, walk, eat, and play, your waist size fluctuates in and out just a little bit at a time. The core track belt adjusts to match your waist exactly. Each point on the core track belt is just a quarter inch apart. That simple, small innovation means you get a precise, steady, and comfortable fit every time you put it on. Removing or adjusting your track belt is simple. Pinch the small tab under the buckle. Core's patented design also makes it easy to remove the buckle or swap styles. Core track belts ship one size to fit every waist from 24 to 44 inches with an XL belt that goes up to 54 inches. You adjust the size yourself using their easy guide. Core offers a full line of fashion belts including classic double stitched with full grain leather and smooth belts with no stitching as well as gun belts for concealed carry. They also offer a stylish assortment of buckle faces made using solid stainless steel or high grade zinc alloys. Core's men's belts carry a 30-day money-back guarantee and a full one-year warranty against all defects, unusual wear, or breakage. So feel confident when you shop and know that you're covered. But trust me, you're going to love it and want to get rid of all your other belts. Visit coreessentials.com to learn more and to get your own core track belt to see firsthand why it's the best belt you'll ever own. Seriously, once you go core track, you'll never go back. And we've got a special offer just for our listeners. Save 10% off your order when you use our code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, at the checkout. That's core with a K, coreessentials.com, and use the code LOCKEDON to save 10% off your order. So let's jump into it here. Let's talk about the QB annual. First, we'll kind of go through real quick kind of the grading system that Pro Football Focus uses to grade their quarterback. You guys know that the basic grading system for Pro Football Focus is a plus-minus scale. Uh, Positive plays are above expectation. They're rewarded for positive plays above expectation, penalized for negative plays in increments of 0.5 and PFF gives the quarterback a zero grade on a simple screen because it's entirely expected. <clears throat> so basically it's more just about uh, positive throws, negative throws. Uh, of course they factor in drops by receivers. Uh, a couple of, you know, they also talk about um how it's different from conventional statistics, uh, how not all 20-yard completions are equal, which you know certainly makes sense. You know, a drop-off and 15 yards after the catch is obviously going to be different than a 15-yard out route and a couple yards after the catch. So they talk about how big-time throws are valuable, turnover-worthy throws are bad. Uh, they consider... You know, they basically say just how valuable is a big-time throw. And, again, this is coming right from uh, the QB annual page from Pro Football Focus. Uh, It says, consider that all big-time throws resulted in a completion percentage of 87.6%, a touchdown percentage of 29.6%, and a perfect passer rating of 158.3 in 2017. 
On the other hand, turnover-worthy throws resulted in a completion percentage of 1.9%, passer rating of 1.2%, and two lucky touchdowns. Uh, so they consider a big-time throw on the highest end of both difficulty and value. Uh, the idea it says the idea of a tight window can often bog people down as they ask, why do you want your quarterback to make riskier throws? But it's less about taking a risk and execute and more about executing a perfect pass that perhaps makes up for the deficiency on the offense. If the receiver can only create a tiny window of separation and the quarterback can put the ball in an optimum spot, he's now created a big play opportunity despite the receiver, not because of him. Uh, you know, they mentioned throwing receivers open and then big time throws under pressure, which turn a negative play into a positive. Uh, turnover worthy plays, throws that have a high chance of being intercepted or just taking poor care of the football. Uh, but they do say not all interception opportunities or fumbles are turnover worthy. Uh, they say not. A, there may be interceptions that are downgrades for quarterbacks, but not necessarily turnover worthy. You know, such as like unlucky, unlucky passes that were intercepted or play balls that got deflected up into the air. You know, so kind of plays like that. Uh, it's also interesting. They're also you're grading what ifs. They say no, we're not grading what happened. Not we're grading what happened, not what that resulted in. There's no what if when a quarterback makes a clear misread. There's simply a varied result on the other side of the play, interception or no interception. Staying consistent with the grading regardless of the result is the most important thing when isolating players for evaluation, and that's always the goal of PFF. So let's actually jump into it. Let's get Cam Newton up here. Have to kind of dig all the way through. I'm scrolling down as we speak here, so it's gonna. Where is? It? I mean, there's a lot in here, obviously, to uh, to dissect, which is obviously nice. And again, if you have the Elite subscription, you can go in and check out the PFF. Check this out, and I mean, there's just so many charts and numbers and all kinds of good stuff. Okay, here we go. So Cam Newton. So here was their blurb. Here's here's their little blurb on Cam Newton. It's hard to believe watching the Carolina Panthers this season that Cam Newton isn't far removed from an MVP campaign. Watching Newton this year, there were very few glimpses of that special player and far too much of the bad Cam that has popped up throughout his career. He was clearly not 100% healthy to begin the year, but over the course of the season, he was wildly inconsistent, and his overall PFF grade of 77.7 .7 is the second lowest mark of his career. Despite all that, the Panthers won 11 games. Now, this is – the quote actually says won 11 games and took the NFC South. Now, you know, yeah, technically they 
finished tied with the Saints at 11-5. and five, But, of course, the Saints swept the Panthers in the regular season. So, obviously, the Saints were crowned South Division champions. Uh, but, and Newton did have several big games, including one against the number one seeded Patriots back in week four. Cam Newton, at his best, is one of the game's most dynamic playmakers, but that player only showed up sporadically this season. Um, like they said, 77.7 was his overall grade this season. The only season that was worse was the season prior, actually, 2016, uh, in which he was 76.1. <clears throat> Excuse me. In fact, 77.7 this year ranked 21st among all qualifying quarterbacks. Uh, his best grade was 2015. You know, that, that makes sense. 2015, of course, was his MVP season, the 15-1 and season. He finished with a grade of 90.1, which finished, which ranked 5th among all quarterbacks. Uh, he does have three seasons with a grade of at least 83. 2012, 2014, and 2015, but four seasons under 80, including his rookie season of 2011, and of course each of the last two seasons. If you break it down by week, and you use, they use kind of the line at 70, so I think I think 70 is kind of their average or kind of their baseline. If you use that as the baseline, Cam Newton had. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight weeks of games 80 or, or 70 or excuse me, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Okay, I was eight games of 70 or more, and that includes the wild card game against the Saints, where he had a grade of 84.6. Uh, he also that would mean one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Eight games at uh, below. I'm just thinking back to myself because I counted eight and eight, which is 16, but it should be 17 games because I don't think Cam Newton missed a game, if I recall, in 2017. But in any event, in any event, eight games, and it was eight kind of eight games on each side. And he kind of was bouncing back and forth. I started with a grade of 49 in Week One against the 49ers, but again, you know, he was still recovering from that injury, so you, you could tell his throws are kind of off. Then he bounced back in Week Two. 75 plus dropped back down in week three week four of course was the fantastic performance against the patriots and then also week five even better 88.2 against the lions but then he had four straight weeks below 70 okay it's actually actually i'm recounting Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Okay, I missed one actually. I'm sorry. So it's so it was actually eight games 
above 80, or eight games above 70, and nine games below 70. I think I missed uh, week seven, which was very close. The dot was like right on the line, so I think I miscounted. But uh, nine games below 80, including a stretch of four straight weeks from weeks six through nine, in which he had a grade below 70. Two games were below 60, weeks six and eight. Then he was up and down, basically alternating above 70 and below 70, pretty much throughout the the whole season. His his best game did come week five against the Lions, 88.2, which actually led all quarterbacks that week. In fact, he also had five total weeks among the top six, four weeks in the top five. He was the fifth best quarterback among grades in week 10 with an 84.8 week 13 he was number four with an 85 week 15 he was sixth with an 84 and then number two now again week that was week 18 which was the wild card game so he only had eight quarterbacks but he was still the second best quarterback on wild card weekend but obviously the panthers still fell short and ended up 0 and three against the saints you look now at some of the key metrics like i said we talk about the big time throws the turnover throws he actually ranked 32nd out of 41 qualifying quarterbacks in big time throw percentage and he was actually quite below uh the rest of the nfl i guess the average of the nfl in fact they have a bar here that rep represents the 30th to 80th percentile, and he's even below that. So he was quite ranked quite low in big-time throw percentage. 18th out of 41 in turnover-worthy play percentage, so he was pretty close to average in that. In fact, if, if we read their big-time throw analysis, they say big-time throws are supposed to be the foundation on which Newton's game is built, but after ranking third in the league in his 2015 MVP season and finishing 12th last year, he plummeted to 32nd in 2017. The Panthers pulled the reins back a bit, trying to create quicker, easier throws this season. And even when they put more on his plate, he was unable to hit those NFL throws at the same rate as previous years. He still hit a few well-placed back shoulders, and he showed off his arm with the occasional laser up the seam. And those are the throws that allow Newton to help the offense create chunk plays. Uh, again, he was 18th in turnover-worthy play percentage. Their analysis, the more conservative approach, did somewhat limit Newton's turnover-worthy plays as he dropped from 5.2% in 2016 to 3.28%, 18th best in the NFL. Early in the season, he failed to locate underneath his own receivers or his own defenders getting away with many of those passes while another chunk of his support plays came while trying to do too much late in the play, whether that be ill-advised passes or bad fumbles. He was also he was then ranked 32nd in adjusted completion percentage, 31st among his grade from a clean pocket, but he was he did rank 13th in grade under pressure, but he was 32nd on third down grade. Uh, his past depth analysis 
In 2015, Newton ranked 8th in adjusted completion percentage on deep passes at 46.6%, but that number dropped to 33.8% in 2016 and 34.4% in 2017. Both of them ranked 28th. A bigger concern is Newton's work in the intermediate level, where he ranked 27th out of 38 qualifiers in PFF grade this season, and on short passes, where his passer rating of 90 ranked 25th, despite the emphasis of making life easier for him with the quick game. And then we kind of look at the QB heat map, which is just kind of, you know, his accuracy and how well he did at all points across the field. And it just kind of, kind of goes to show, you know, he was sporadic throughout. Um, the mo His most effective throws actually came kind of on the intermediate, uh, about 10 to, 15, 10 to 20 yards downfield throughout the uh, throughout the field. He actually ranked below average on a lot of short throws over the middle of the field, kind of 5 to 10 yards and over to the left. But he was actually pretty well on deep throws, 20. A lot of, and if you, if you ever look at this map, uh, a, a red, they use hexagons. Like a red hexagon is a grade above average. Gray is approximately average. Blue is below average. And the bigger the tile, it means more throws in that area. Uh, so I guess the darker the color, the more to one side of the one side of the uh, spectrum he was, we'll say. Uh, and you, you'll notice a lot of red, both on like the the left side of the field, especially a dark red, on the deep left, uh, 30 yards downfield, and then a bunch of red spots kind of across the field. Uh, 20 yards downfield, but again, a lot of blue spots, especially on the interme intermediate side of the field and on the right deep side of the field. So very kind of all over the place. Then we look at the route tree, kind of his routes by th or throws by routes. So it just kind of breaks down his passer rating and target percentage. Uh, he was very effective on kind of the, the comeback routes the out routes. Uh, he, he did have a 116.3 passer rating on the on slant routes and the quick out routes. So it just kind of gives you an idea. You know, again, it was a lot of kind of short throws. He was very very effective on the short throws. He was also effective on kind of the deep out routes as well. But actually, his highest now it's, it was only a two percent target. 2% target rate that they rated, but they gave him a 137.5 passer rating on the post route and a 98.6 a 98 98.6 rating on the corner route. So he still, but again, the, the, the target percentage they gave him were very small. 2% on the corner, 4%, or excuse me, 2% on the post, 4% on the corner a lot of it was uh kind of more the short stuff but you can tell he, he still was graded pretty decently all throughout the route tree uh we'll kind of wrap things up here because running a little bit but you know obviously a lot 
a lot of good stuff on here but it just kind of shows you know where where he kind of struggled in terms of pff uh, he graded 89.3 or had an 89.3 passer rating uh when clean whereas uh 90 98.1 i believe i guess was kind of the average for if i'm looking at this right maybe the average over the last four years uh but he was given an 89.3 and a clean clean pocket 88.3 when there was no or 80.5 or i'm guessing 90.1 was his his average <clears throat> excuse me uh but he was he got an 89.3 last year in a clean pocket 80 and a half rating with no blitz 62.2 rating under pressure and his numbers have been very low when he was under pressure over the last four years uh, his, his best number, his best rating in the last four years when under pressure is actually just a 69.4. Um, he did post an 87.4 rating against the Blitz. Just a 64.1 rating, though, against on third and fourth down. They said PFF actually gave him the most turnover worthy throws on third down with 11 uh, an 89 rating in the red zone which i say most of his value much of his value in the red zone came from his legs which you know makes sense he basically becomes the running game when they get deep but he also did pff also says he did a good job protecting the ball in the red zone and did not commit a single turnover worthy play um 66.9 grade in terms of pass to throw or time to throw uh and timing and it's a little great over the last four years but uh 2.82 seconds time to throw 2017 he was Mostly around average in terms of depth to target. He was below average on 20 plus yards. But still interesting though to kind of see, looking at the heat map, all those above average tiles throughout the 20 plus yards, even 30 plus yards. Uh, so that's the heat map. And then, you, and then actually they have the accuracy heat map, which I guess is a little more of, a little more, little better view of how accurate he actually was I, I guess the heat map was just where he threw it so you can you could tell it was a lot of short stuff but accuracy and it, it, the actually heat map kind of goes in touch as well with the the heat map he uh was was very accurate toward the boundaries more a little below average so more inaccurate in the middle of the field so a lot of the stuff and it kind of makes sense you know especially when greg olson went down it became a lot more of the outside stuff especially the guys like devin funch so it was it really became a a boundary type boundary type deal and then there's one more chart i'm looking at here in terms of uh accurate in terms of where he actually hit the receiver and how good he was uh he they actually rated him 
elites in throwing it to the back of the receiver. Uh, and then pretty good in terms of in front of the receiver, low, underthrow, things like that. Uh, he was a 9.9 .9 overthrow, though, is what they gave him. But it just kind of goes to show what what a lot of people knew last year What was that Cam Newton was pretty inaccurate. Or I shouldn't say inaccurate, very inconsistent throughout 2017, you know, but certainly his legs uh, deep in the red zone or the, the running game and the, the short passing game is really what helped. And certainly the defense, too, is really what helped carry this team to 11 wins and get them to the to the playoffs. So with that, that's a look at Cam Newton's QB annual. Um, again, if you want to check out QB annual, just sign up for those subscriptions. Again, really appreciate Pro Football Focus hooking us up here. It's going to be a lot of good stuff. I uh, hope to get you guys a lot of info from PFF. So I think it's going to make the game analysis and just talking about the players a lot better, you know, because I know a good bit of you, I'm sure, don't have access to this. So hopefully this is something that can help you guys out and you guys are excited for it. So I'll definitely be pulling a lot from PFF as the season goes on. But with that, we'll wrap things up here. Um, well, I appreciate you guys tuning in as always. Very grateful. And again, thanks to our sponsors over at Core Essentials and uh, Core, Core Belts for helping out with the with the podcast. So with that, Bill Rossetti, thanks for listening to the Locked On Panthers podcast. Take care, my friends. We'll see you next time right here on LOP.